right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pirates Podcast, to be named later. I am Eddie Provident coming uh, to you all the way from Monroeville, Pennsylvania, and I've got Alex Stump all the way from Miami, Florida, uh, where he is covering the Pirates' one-game winning streak. Yeah. Alex, let's go to you. Yeah, one-game winning streak. That was a good clubhouse. <laughs> that was a good clubhouse. Also, yeah. They were blasting Bee Gees in there. You I, heard, I saw that tweet, man. Yeah. Hey, whatever works. Whatever yeah. works. They were uh, feeling that one, which is good some, because the last couple clubhouses have been pretty have brutal. <laughs> probably those Steeler locker rooms that I was a part of. <laughs> uh, and then I, I left and they magically turned it around. But that's another story for another time. We've got some new faces on the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, baseball club. Alex, uh, we see we finally got to see Henry Davis uh, since we record. We, we recorded not only did we see Henry Davis, we saw Henry Davis hit a home run, show some, uh, you know, show some spunk, try to get the team pumped up. And then uh, today or I guess Friday, um, we were recording technically on Saturday morning, uh, Friday night, we get a Nick Gonzalez uh, sighting and he joins the lineup. Uh, talk a li- I mean, look. I know this isn't the time to be an optimistic uh, viewer of the Pittsburgh Pirates, but talk about these kids and, and what this uh, young, you know, this little bit of a youth infusion could bring to the lineup. Yeah, I think this is something that we kind of expected to happen in twenty. I mean, you and I were just screaming for at least Henry Davis uh, yeah. literally a week ago. So was it a week ago? Yeah, I yeah. guess it was. So. Uh, he's not catching, so our screamings are still yeah, kind of yeah. In, but that's, that's baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, but we we kind of knew coming into the year that there was going to be a stretch, probably in June, conveniently, but where we were going to start seeing these top prospects start to get called up. These guys who were mm-hmm. first round draft picks, and if if you're willing to uh, fudge the numbers a little bit and say that a competitive balance round A pick as a first-round draft pick. The Pirates have promoted three first-rounders up to the majors in the last eight days. This is kind of their first three first-round picks even. So this is kind of just what they've been building towards, what has been the big moment. And look, Henry Davis has contributed already. Nick Gonzalez, one game, didn't do it. I mean, Carmen Majinski is was thrown into the absolute fire right there, but he's shown some stuff. He could be a major league reliever. They were just, this is kind of what they've been building towards. We're starting to see it. I, I kind of asked Shelton, like, you know, people have been waiting for this for years. You know, like, is it weird that it's coming up in a nine game losing streak, 10 game losing streak? Uh, he answered like, when we feel guys are ready to come up to the big leagues, we're going to bring them, you know, they're up because they think they are going to help the major league team win. And look, Henry Davis, I, one of the things that really stood out for me in that game, it didn't have impact on the final result, but in that eighth inning, he starts off, draws a walk, and he's immediately looking to the dugout mm-hmm. trying to you know, fire him up, and then he goes and he steals a base. Like That's something that it didn't result in a run, but you can tell like these kids can make an impact. They can spark something. Now, okay, I want to go back to something that you said that Derek Shelton said that uh, they'll bring them up when they feel they're ready. Mm-hmm. Do you buy that? I mean, I thought Henry Davis, if, if he wasn't going to catch, this could have been expedited. He could have 
he showed two weeks into the minor league season that he was so much better than double a pitching. That's my point. And yeah. I, I guess where but I'm coming if, from, go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you, you could have put him in triple a, but I get the catcher stuff. I do genuinely believe that right now they did call him up maybe a little sooner ahead of plan than they initially thought just because they needed a major league ready bat. Okay. Like I always thought Henry Davis was going to maybe be uh, a post all-star break type of promotion because they wanted him to catch. They moved that up a bit. I guess maybe we're looking at this on the outside from the outside. Maybe we're looking at this differently uh, than the organization or people on the inside are looking at it. And I guess you have a better view of, of the inside, but I guess here's where I'm looking. This is my, my thought process on this. A month ago, the pirates were in first place in the division and they were going toe to toe with the Milwaukee Brewers in the standings for first place in the division. And now you fast forward things and they just had a 10 game losing streak and the bottom has fallen out. Now they're still only five and a half games back, but they're still, they've dropped down to fourth place in the division. Why not bring Henry Davis up when you're actually competitive and actually in a spot to keep fighting for the division? Why wait until, I don't want to say they're out of it, but why wait until you're basically out of it? There's a great Futurama quote I love from season one where uh, they're trying to get the space captain, Zep Brannigan, mm-hmm. to get back to, you know, to man the ship. They're like, sir, it's an emergency. And he says, come back whenever it's a catastrophe. And that's kind of <laughs> bringing up Henry Davis and May probably would have been an emergency. They called him up in the catastrophe. And look, look, I, I do genuinely believe that this organization does view him as a catcher, that, that they want him to catch. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I don't. Long, yeah, we, we agree term. there. And I get why it's like he needs everyday reps. I, I agree with that, you know, to a certain extent. It's the. If you're at a point where you're like, okay, we just got to call this guy up to the majors because we need the bat and we're going to put him in right field and we're going to DH him and we'll, we'll just figure it out along the way. Mm-hmm. If that was always on the table, that makes the June promotion look a lot worse. Like we all, we all kind of know. We all kind of know why Henry Davis wasn't going to come up at the beginning of May or the middle of May. And right. we, we all kind of know it was a super, super two played a factor. We don't. Yeah, say that, I, I'm not wasting breath on it anymore. But yeah, yeah. we know to pretend yeah. that super two is not at least a part, whatever percentage of it is part of the equation is just you're, you're just pretending at that point. But I do think him coming up now does show that they were like, we need someone to help now. And he does contribute to help on on uh, win Friday. He should have had the big hit to win on Thursday. He had a good debut. He's shown kind of like what they needed. He does not look like he's, you know, missing the lights, you know, or lost to the lights here. He looks like a big leaguer, like mm-hmm. he's been here for a couple of years already. So it's to answer, to go, this is a very roundabout way of trying to answer your question of why not May. We kind of know why not May. And it was, if you could go back in time and you knew 
that this division was not going to get any better by this point of the season and everything, maybe you do change the trajectory a little bit of some of these guys. At least you would like to think, you know, if you could redo it, you would, you would do it again differently. It is what it is. And I, they're coming up now. And Henry Davis has shown that he contribute. Carmen Majinski has shown that at least has the faith, the manager that in this depleted bullpen, he's the guy you go to with the back up against the wall in that spot Thursday. It doesn't work out. I'll hear mm. everyone who says it should have been David Bednar probably should have been David Bednar, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, is what it is. They're calling up. This team needed improvement. Can't really do that on the trade market this time of year. So you got to go internal. Yep. They're doing it. So uh, again, not to relitigate everything that we talked about last week, but, like quickly since now Gonzalez and uh and Davis are up uh when do we see um Andy Rodriguez do we when do we see is there anyone else that you you think is is on the way up and, and when I I asked about Nick Gonzalez earlier this week I I kind of had like a spidey sense going for that one so mm-hmm. that was and then I slept through an alarm and you missed the the breaking news, and that's just how life goes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think we're going to see Quinn Priester sooner rather than later. Okay. I, I think Andy Rodriguez is going to come up at some point. I don't know if, how much of Andy Rodriguez is, you know, what he has to show, how much of it is they have to change what's going on with the catching situation right there, but we're going to see Andy at some point. We're going to do. We're going to see these guys sooner rather than later. I don't think it's going to be August, whatever we see Andy Rodriguez. Okay. That, that's an, I mean, that's at least encouraging. Then my last one, um, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, another call up. Uh, we'll, we'll, this, this whole first segment is just the call up segment. Uh, Osvaldo Beto, the two, I thought, you know, his first outing was only four innings, but he, I thought he pitched well. His second outing, Couple of hard hit baseballs, you know, but he he didn't. There was never a point in time in that second outing where the the wheels fell off. Um, is he earning a right to at least stick around for a couple more weeks and and be, stick around in that rotation for a couple more weeks? Do you think? I, I think so. I mean, I'm not as high on his Votto Beto as I am with a lot of these guys. I don't think any prospect evaluations have him. You know, as a top 20 or something, some, I don't know if they even have him as top 30, but I will say that second start that he had, like fastball was up a couple extra ticks. If whatever he wasn't pitching through a monsoon, he was attacking the zone. Yeah. He was pitching. Yeah. Well. That was unfortunate how that went down with the, with yeah. the, he yeah. pitched a lot better than his line. And yeah. I think anyone who actually watched the game. Knows. Oh yeah. Without, and I, I think it's, that's an encouraging thing for me because, you know, we talked last week about Roanzi and just the need for arms in this pitching rotation. And honestly, even in the bullpen at this point, uh, I think Osvaldo Beto could be a really good option, even if he's not in the starting five, you know, having him in that bullpen is a long reliever. I, I mean, I think that right now they can't afford to send down a du- send back down a dude that had two good outings. Um, I think he stays personally. I, I don't, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think they're in a rush to get rid of him. It, yeah. It, and, the and they shouldn't question. be. And I really like, I, I've actually been pleasantly surprised by him. Yeah. I mean, it's look, his, his ceiling, he's going to fall somewhere between like a fifth starter to an up down guy at the end of the day. He's, he's not going to be, but this, they can use that right now. Yeah. Especially with the starting pitching. Depth. Yeah. And you know, he's, 
He's performed at the major league level through two starts. Yep. He should get a little runway. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, talk more Pirates baseball. Mr. Stump, I have a, uh, I have another question for you. Uh, we we kind of we put on the uh, rose-colored glasses in the first segment because of all the the young guys coming up and you know seeing the seeing the potential. Um, you did hit on something that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Carmen Majinski pitched an inning that I thought one hundred percent should have been David Bednar's inning. Is is that a one-off thing, or are we seeing a a trend with Derek Shelton's management style where I'm not crazy about a lot of the decisions he's made recently, and that was definitely one of them. Uh, give me your thoughts on Derek Shelton as of late and how much of this is on him and how much of this is just on the fact that they don't have a lot of depth in this uh, this lineup right now. Are we, are we looking at the bullpen or are we just in, in general? All of the above, because I'll, I'll give you another one. I wasn't crazy about him pulling Mitch Keller when he did. After uh, 107 pitches? I would have kept them going, man. No, 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 no. 107. You're good. Pat on the back. Okay. Good, see, good start. And that's where this, the new age pitch count thing. I mean, like if a guy's pitching good, he's pitching good. And I, I, there, there are just some numbers like I, I, I don't 100% buy into like the abuse points or whatever, but like, yeah, a hundred. Uh, right. I'm, I'm not going to get in, go back. Up. I'm going to let you answer the question, but I, I'm going to quickly counter that with, uh, have you watched LSU lately? Yeah. He also, Skeens also gets a week off between starts between Mitch Keller, who only gets, you know, the five days, you know, rotation and, uh, LSU shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that to a kid in general. That's borderline pitcher abuse. I, I agree with that. I think they're going too far, but I think there's a middle ground in between cutting a dude at 107 and for putting him out there for 150. I think there's a middle ground somewhere. I don't think so. I think once 107, 110 is like pretty much the ultimate. No, you're good. You're good. No okay. matter what. All right. Unless All right. you got like a perfect you, game going. Hey, listen, <laughs> you you know it better. You know the you know the arms. You know the guys better than I do. So I'll I'll bow out. But anyways, uh, thoughts but, but, on Derek Shelton? Back to the well, original question. I'm I'm gonna just touch on the bullpen here a little bit. And yeah, I think if he would have known that Beretta was going to struggle and leave bases loaded and nobody out. You do go to David Bentner in that situation, but Majinski was getting warm beforehand. They need, uh, you need six outs. There's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. And Bentner is not going two innings. This isn't like last year, how they used David Bentner. They've been very conscious. I don't think he has gone more than an inning, mm-hmm. you know, for a start this year. They want to make, they, they, it's not lost on them that, you know, for half a season, he was really used hard. And then he was just shut down pretty much for the second half outside of that September cameo. So like, it's that I think really does resonate with them. They're like, okay, he's a one inning guy. We're going to get one great inning. And man, he has been giving one great inning every time he goes into these games. So it's not like, you know, this, this out of the blue thing. 
So it was a case of, well, even if you use David Bednar and he gets out of that jam in the eighth, you still need three more outs from someone else. So what are you going to do? Oh, I, I, you go with that. Like I, Hindsight 2020, of course you go to David Bednar in the, that situation, but considering Majinski was starting to get warm before that was – again – Emergency catastrophe. He's yeah. trying to get warmed up before well, it was even emergency at that point. Like, it, and I, I get what you're saying. I, I completely. And I, I am the most analytics, you know, friendly. Like it, you, do, you, you play the leverage over just keeping the guy. I, you, in the ninth you just inning. stole. You just stole the words right out of my mouth because this I, is. I, I hear high leverage situations from the pirates organization so many times. I, I mean, like they've like. Yeah. I feel like they need to copyright that that term. Um, but I, I, yeah, they didn't use him in the high leverage situation. And it just it, like, that's, you know, again, and I'm not even saying that he, this time I agree with you on the pitching thing where I'm not saying he should have pitched two innings. I, if you notice when I set it up, I said he pitched an inning that should have been Bednar's and not, not innings. It was the, that eighth inning should have been Bednar's inning there. It just, it, it threw me off. Um, and then it, it, you know, now it worked out tonight, but again, like you know, you you send Lu- Luis Ortiz out for the eighth. Like, um, I just I'm not following Shelton's. Do you know what? Do you want to know what the big thing is right now? Yeah. Who can he go to in that bullpen? Who are the reliable arms? Holderman's hurt. Zestrinsky uh, has been pretty good against lefties. He's hurt. Jose Hernandez. He's been good against lefties. He's hurt. They really don't have any. Dari Moretta has been so good this year, but he's been out of wonk right now. The slider's not performing the way mm-hmm. that it had been. It's not moving the same way that it has been. There just really is no one who is an absolute reliable hand right now, other than David Bednar. And you're in That's a fair point. You're in a very tough spot. Like I'll, I'll just say this: Let's say David Bednar comes in that situation, and he absolutely absolutely cooks he doesn't allow a run to score okay bottom of the order is coming up that's great that's great you know but you're also going to be going to someone who's not a leverage reliever to try to get a save and if any men get on base it's the top of the order you're coming up like that's just as bad a high good point no yeah that's just i get it hot if if you don't go one two three you're probably going to lose type situation it's there is a no win win there not having colin holderman and even whenever Holderman was healthy towards the end, he wasn't 100% with the wrist. And, you know, that that his results, he wasn't as steady. They don't have reliable bullpen arms. And that's why you look at even – he wasn't great with the Pirates this year. He hasn't been great with the Rays. But you look at something like – the Sam, you took the words right out of my mouth here. The Robert Stevenson trade. Yeah. Like, he hasn't been great this year, but – that Robert wasn't Stevenson trading was from a, a position of strength. That was no, no. That was trading away from an area that you don't have a whole right. lot of depth for a prospect who's not really even that much of a prospect at the moment. So a, a former first rounder, a guy that is probably going to be like a waiver claim a couple years from now. So I, I, I really don't get that trade. I think that's the type of thing that haunts in a situation like this. I don't get that trade at all. They, they like Williams. Okay, great. I get it. Still don't get the trade. It's, <laughs> it's a trade that you look back, that eighth inning yesterday is a very different game. If you can go to Robert Stevenson, maybe he still gives up the home run and you lose that game. Maybe. But, you know, 
You're not throwing a rookie in like his fourth major league outing into bases low to nobody out. Yeah. So that's you, you don't go to Dari Moretta to start the inning whenever he's really been great, whenever he can just go out there and throw junk and try to get out of you no know, other people's mm-hmm. messes. That's what he does his absolute best. That is the most do or die role in the bullpen. And up until very recently, he'd been immaculate in it. He'd yeah. been just absolutely outstanding. So so yeah, I, I I get that they don't have a whole lot of options in the bullpen. Who are you going to? Gary De Los Santos, who's walking six people per nine in the minor leagues. Are you going to uh, Ryan Barecki? Are you going to? Uh, there, there's just not a lot. That, there's yeah. no one that they could really go to. So yeah, I I I am the analytics guy. Yeah, it should have been Bednar, but I also get why you don't go to Bednar because you know you need three outs hmm. somehow, someway. Yeah, and. I get it. I get it. I, I. It's just, I guess, like you said, the Stevenson trade makes this whole thing a little more puzzling. And it, you know, this whole thing makes the Stevenson trade puzzling, like you said. So then, all right, to wrap this segment up, they they finally kill the ten game losing streak. Uh, as they were on a ten game losing streak, the Reds are, went on a twelve game winning streak. Uh, still, are, as of Friday night, are on a twelve game winning streak. Um, the division is completely different than it looked even three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, where is your new ceiling for this Pirates team? I mean, ceiling, even whenever they were 20 and 8, I thought ceiling was 80-something wins. Mm-hmm. And my preseason prediction was 70-something wins. I think you had them at 75 or 72, and I think I had I, them at 78. I think I had, yeah. I think I had them at 72 and 90 preseason. Which yeah, I think I was at 78. With an arm's length on pace for right yeah. now. So... Do they? All right. So, like, look, look. There is a way that if the offense gets going again, and you know they continue to get this good starting pitching, and you know they they just fake it through the bullpen for a month or so, and then they add a couple guys at the deadline, and O'Neill Cruz comes back, and like there there is still a path to competing in this division. Uh, I think I, this 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 red this division streak, as yeah. amazing as it is, it, it's not going to. Last, it's what the man. Pirates were in April. It's it's yeah. it's yeah, this is the red, this is the Reds' exactly turn. Yeah, what they're doing. And, Every team's just going to have like this. Like the Cardinals had a stretch right yep. there. The Brewers were just as hot as the Pirates in April. Like it, it, every team's just going to have a stretch like this. And and it's this is the turn. division to be in. Yeah, yeah. This is the division where it might honestly be whichever team gets hot at the end. Like who yeah. is the last oh. team to actually get hot? Yeah, for sure. Um, the one thing that I will say, and I, I really, I don't want to sound like that, like North Shore, you know, like rose-colored glasses guy, but I think the other thing with this is something that you brought up. This is a very different baseball season without all the injuries. Oh yeah. I mean, like, and we have to like. That's where I think we do have to pump the brakes a little. Look, a ten-game losing streak is a ten-game losing streak. There's, there's really not much to salvage out of a ten-game losing streak, but we do have to have a, a little element of grace with this team because of the injuries. And when you start naming players that they could have had in their lineup and in their bullpen and in their, that you know, it's easy to see where that's a four or five-game flip. You know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, we got the guys who they thought were going to be starting pitchers out for the year. 
Brian Reynolds is on the IL. O'Neill Cruz has been out for almost all the year. The setup man's mm-hmm. hurt right now. Like we we could keep going. Like it's it's a bunch of injuries right now. And it, before it's we go to the lost. third segment, I, I will say this: it, it is cautiously exciting for me to think about what. September could be for this ball club, even if they're not in the playoff race anymore, even if they're not in the division race anymore. I think we could see a September where O'Neill Cruz, Key Brian Hayes, Nick Gonzalez, um, Henry Davis, Davis, Andy Andy Rodriguez Rodriguez are all in the like are all in the lineup and up on on the big league team, and we could get a small taste in September of of what this team could be. You know, next year and the year after next, that is that is exciting for me. That you know, as as someone like just as somebody who likes baseball, that's exciting to see what that young team, that young core, all together could look like for a month, and then you know, give some hope going into the next season. Yeah, I mean, that's like I said, you know, in the first segment, we kind of expected a stretch like this in June of like mm-hmm. whenever these are whenever the kids are getting called up, and if at the end of the year. They could each, you know, take a little bit from their major league experience. They could, yep. you know, improve like that. That could be a preview of what that 2024, 2025 Pirates teams could be. Because, look, a lot of these guys that are coming up this year, they think are going to be legitimate factors into mm-hmm. that next playoff team, yep. whenever that is. So, Listen, I'm really tired of us agreeing. So I am going okay. to end this segment and hopefully get a get something out in the third segment that we disagree on. Alex, we had other Pittsburgh Pirate news this week. The City Connect jerseys finally dropped. I'm trying to hold a poker face, so I don't give it away. But I want yours first. What do you think of the City Connect uniforms? They're fine. I okay. I, I think they're a little basic. I mean, like the the. I get all the little hints and mm-hmm. nods with it, and those are nice. Those are nice touches. Um, I'm more like, I would. This is the weirdest one. I would like to incorporate some red. Would have liked to incorporate some red because there's been so much red throughout Pirates jerseys in the past. I I would have liked to have put four one two somewhere on it. I'm glad that it's not Steel City across i'm glad that it's i'm happy that really pgh yeah i i okay i don't know this is this is i i know that's pittsburgh's past i, I know also that's think pittsburgh's that, that past. I, I, I it's not really pittsburgh's present it's not pittsburgh's future so i i kind of have a hard time of like it's the steel city i get that's pittsburgh's you know public identity but it's like it's really not anymore you don't want to go down to morning at go down to the still mills I, I can't do a Pittsburgh accent and that that was that you slipped into that very well. It's yeah. I, I hide, we'll put it this way. I hide it very well. Well, if you ask my wife, I don't hide it at all. Uh, okay. I love them. I, I know I'm in the minority. I know that that and I didn't even think that I would, but when I saw them on the players and it wasn't a blurry leaked photo from the background, 
dude, I legitimately like these these uniforms, and I am like, I hate black baseball pants. I think it's partially because I grew up playing baseball on a team that had black baseball pants, and in the summer, that that material gets hot and like it's just it's terrible. But I actually like the black pants with that gold jersey. I think that color of gold pops. I think that like gradient thing they did with the pattern, uh, with the you know with the the river and the square and the um, you know I thought that looked really. I thought that gave it a nice little touch, um, dude. I I legitimately. I'm blown away by how much I like these uniforms. I I think that they they look really good. I, I and again I know I'm in the minority here, but as far as I'll go is they're in the upper half. They're in the upper half of these city connects that we see. It does seem like I mean I know this isn't the case because these are all designed mostly at the same time, but it does seem like Nike kind of just ran out of ideas with the second half of of these uh city connect jerseys that, that have come out. Like it's a lot of minor deed. Like even if you look at like the Baltimore Orioles and their, their city connect- is bad. Yeah. But like all of the, the cool stuff is on the inside of the Jersey. It's on the lining of the Jersey. Like why not put that pattern on the outside of the Jersey instead of just going in all black Jersey. Same with the reds. The reds are all black. Like there it's a good looking, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, black and red. You, you really, it's hard to screw up black and red, but I mean, you could have got a little more creative with it. I think like maybe put like a bowl of chili. Uh, Skyline Chili somewhere on it. No, I'm kidding. No, um, <laughs> but uh, two, I, I will say, yeah, it's t- I, never. I, I will. You, it, Anyways, I will say this: something you said about wishing that they put some red in it. I agree with you 100. percent My favorite all-time Pirates uniform was that mid '90s uh, black jersey, the just the plain black jersey with pirates with the red piping. Um, with the and then the black hat with the red brim, like that is my all time favorite pirates uniform. I love that uniform. I don't care that they stunk in that uniform. I absolutely love that uniform. Um, but I think overall, my opinion, these City Connect jerseys, I, I thought they did well with them. I uh, did a lot better. Maybe my maybe it's more my hopes were so low after I saw the leaks that I I just anything could have impressed me. But I, I actually liked them. I liked them enough that I'm probably going to go down on Tuesday when they debut them with my camera and see what kind of shots I can get, assuming the weather behaves. There we go. And I, I know we've brought up Eddie's photography a couple times on this show. Go check it out whenever he posts post them. If he doesn't, if he doesn't screw them, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure to keep the uh, pirates, pirates photos coming. Uh, maybe I'll even throw you a couple. You and DK, a few. We'll see. <laughs> you got anything else? I'm good, man. Same here. Uh, for another episode of the Pirates Podcast to be named later. I'm Eddie Provident. That's Alex Stump. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye.